You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. From Vineyard Theater in New York City, this is Theater Uncorked where vineyard artists come together to talk about the process of bringing new works to the stage. I am your host, Kevin Weinhold. The second production of Vineyard Theater's 2019-2020 season is Dana H. by Lucas Nath. A true story of the kidnapping of Lucas's mother, Dana Higginbotham, Dana H. is adapted from interviews of her that were conducted by Steve Cawson and is directed by Les Waters. A co-production with Goodman Theatre and Center Theatre Group, The Vineyard is excited to present the New York premiere of what the Los Angeles Times called a profound contribution to the theatre. In episode 13, Lucas is joined by actress Deirdre O'Connell, who plays his mother. They talk about the origins of the play, the unique challenges of creating and performing a piece of theater which relies on the art of lip sync, and the influences that have shaped and informed their work today. Let's listen. So the play began when uh, Steve Cawson, the artistic director of The Civilians, uh, invited me out for a coffee and told me that he was interested in commissioning me to uh, write a play, f- um, a piece of uh, documentary theater, and he talked me through how the civilians work and asked me if I had anything that would be appropriate um, for the commission. And um, uh, I said that I did, and I told him the story of of this incident that happened to my mother uh, back in the late 90s while I was uh, uh, in my freshman year at NYU. And um, uh, Steve thought that we should bring my mother out and he would interview her for a couple of days I would use those interviews as the, the, the basis for a play. Um, for some time, I had had the idea that this story might make a play, but I wasn't quite sure of the form. And uh, my mother had also expressed an interest in me 
finding a way to tell the story. Uh, and once I knew that my mother was going to be interviewed by somebody for a couple of days, that opened up the thought that there might be something interesting about using the recordings of the interview as the basis for a play. Um, because it's a play that were you to make it a movie, it's a story rather, that if you were to make it a movie, it would be uh, a kind of road movie, traveling to many different locations, moving all over the place, a kind of thriller. And and uh, uh, I, I, I was interested in the thought that, well, on stage, you would make no attempt to represent any of that. Um, so that thought, in conjunction with the, the, the knowledge that, that there would be these transcripts that came out of the interview made me think that maybe the play wanted to be a monologue and I remember saying to Steve before the interviews began I said hey can just just make sure that the recording is a relatively clean one I might want to use this recording <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we got these interviews and I got the transcripts and pretty quickly I knew that I wanted to make a play written to be lip-synced. Uh, and I started to take the transcripts and um, uh, broke the thing out into these little beats, these little moments, and started to kind of construct a narrative, construct a monologue out of it. Um, and uh, uh, that, that, was, that was the sort of, that was the, that's kind of how it began, and then, um, along the way Les Waters got involved as the director and uh, uh, we were we were racking our brains trying to figure out you know who do, who do you cast in this and it was funny because I kept saying well I mean it's Dee Dee <laughs> uh, but I I was writing a different play for you right that and involved that involved a, a you know a person not unlike your mom yeah so we had we had we had sat around in a room together talking about <laughs> you know, this other play and this other play that that uh, involves that that character kind of and because I'm I have such a rigid mind I was <laughs> like well but you're doing this other play and I can't have you do both of them because then it would make it would it would make the plays too similar and and then I then I just I remember saying this to Les and Les said are you sure <laughs> and I was like okay ditch the other play let's put Dee Dee and Dana H <laughs> um, because that's I need her there um, and we had a, it was me, you and Les met up at my apartment. And yep. Yep. Because I, I was, um, you know, I knew Im immediately when I read it that if, if, if it was a regular play and you were like, you were going to do this monologue, I would be, yes, what, when, you know, what, where's the piece of paper that I signed? I'll go away forever and do this. I don't care. It was so great. But I was scared of the, the conceit of lip syncing because I didn't know how it would feel because I'd never seen anybody do it with that for that length of time, and I'd never um, done it. So I didn't know if it would feel incredibly claustrophobic and limiting, or if I if I could even do it. I didn't know if it would be in very very difficult for me to do 
technically or if it would feel, feel easy, <coughs> whether it would be pleasurable or just painful all the time. So I was pretty nervous going in to that conversation with you guys because I felt like I wanted to... Uh, there was no way we, we had even talked i remember before we like went over to your apartment we had talked well maybe we'll just try it a little bit because i hadn't done the workshops i didn't even know how it would feel to me to do it maybe we'll try it a little bit and then we got so interested in talking to each other that we never ended up actually sitting down and trying it right. but i do remember vividly uh there was one moment of lip syncing that I had seen in my life, which was the late, great Ron Vodder in Rumstick Road at the Wooster Group, which I saw maybe five times when it was running in New York when I first moved here. And uh, there was one moment in it when Ron was playing Spaulding's dad, I think, talking. No, he was playing Spaulding's mother's therapist. And, and Spalding had called her therapist on the phone and had taped the conversation, and Ron was on stage talking on the phone, and you could just hear Spalding's voice. And it, it was breathtaking, and it, and it, and it was uh, mysterious, and all of a sudden, the room was just filled with this strange kind of life, uh, life that you can never really explain when you get to see a moment like that in the theater. In retrospect, you're like, why? was all of a sudden the, it felt like the illusion was complete in this strange and wonderful way. And I vividly remember there was something that he was doing with it. And I saw it a bunch of times, so he did it every time. He did something with a, something as if there was something in his pocket of his jacket while he was talking on the phone. And his lip syncing was so precise. And it was a, like three minutes or something. It was very short, but it, I've never forgotten it. And I've always thought of it as like a little, little touchstone of like that was great acting but it was also this illusion that got made and it was like a circuit got completed or something and you're watching you're going like this is like all of a sudden real life is in the room and then just as quickly it's gone and it was replaced by something else amazing in that piece so I, I remember saying to you well there's one time that I saw it for three minutes, and it was Ron Vodder. You immediately said, yes, in Rumpster Road. I know. I have the <laughs> movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. I said, you know that thing he does with his hand and the pie? You, you're like, that's it. That's it. Then I, was, then I was your love slave, and I had to do the play <laughs> in Los Angeles and Chicago and forever because I felt like, okay, so you understand what I'm talking Like, If I could capture that lightning in a bottle for a second. I've always thought that about that moment. And, you know, it, I saw Ron Vodder do a lot of things that felt that way to me, but that was one that really, yeah, took my breath away. So the fact that you even knew the moment I was talking about, because it's pretty obscure. <laughs> I mean, it's really like a tiny moment in a play that's from a long time ago. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, so the, the I had first encountered that play in the David Saverin book on the Worcester Group. Um, uh, there's a there's some pretty good description of it in there, and I had read that a really long time ago, uh -huh. probably back in like 2000, right? Maybe even 1999. Maybe not that far off from the events of this play, right? Um, very likely, right? And because I I I saw my first ever Worcester Group show, House Lights. Uh, a year after the events of this play, 
So I went straight to the NYU library and got the book, the only book they have on it, um, wow. and, and, and read it over one of my winter breaks um, from college. And uh, so that was definitely a, a ghost haunting this play. Yeah. And then yeah. the other one is Reza Abdo, um, who's another uh, 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 yes, theater maker that I yeah, his it, theater maker whose right. who's plays I never saw in person, only and I on saw those video. in person too. <laughs> and um, uh, I was really taken with the technique, and uh, and when I was, I took a performance studies class from Richard Schechner, and. Uh, called Theories of Directing, and for our final project, we had to write a paper on one director's technique and try to direct or even write and direct something in the style of that director, uh-huh. and I did Reza. Right. And uh, I, I, that was my first experiment with lip-syncing. Um, I, I think it was an adaptation of a chapter from Thomas Mann's Magic Mountain. Um, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and if I, I think that's what it was. And and uh, I had actors record this dialogue really fast. And, and had then dance you had them lip sync themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so. Uh, this is like a little off the subject, but my mom. Um, I did. I did it for my mom when I was learning how to do it. I was visiting my mother in Seattle, and I was trying to explain to her what the piece was. And finally, and I and I had been working on on doing it. I was I was pretty deep in my in my uh, practice, my, my practice of learning how to do it. So I was like, well, I'll do it. I'll do it for you for a second and show you what it is. And I, ha- I had a little speaker because I'd been working with Steve, who we'll, we'll get to. And, and so I had a little, I have a little home setup where I can do this thing in people's living rooms <laughs> because I was trying to figure out how to do it. So I had made a little setup, a very complicated little setup, but it was just, you know, homemade with some dumb speakers I got from Amazon. So I set <laughs> it up for my mom and at the end, and I, and I started to do it, and then I said, so that's what it is, basically, Mom. I turned it off, and she said, no, you can't stop. So I ended up sitting in her living room doing the whole thing for her. And then at the end, she said, it's so interesting. Why do you lip sync it? And I said, well, because it's, it's uh, Lucas's mom. And she thought that I had spoken the whole thing and that I was lip syncing myself. People have the strangest, most interesting like perception tricks happen to them while they're watching it. My mother knows what I sound like. She's my mother. <laughs> but she was so convinced that it was me, you know, with a slight accent maybe, talking, and then I was lip-syncing my own voice. It was pretty crazy because I was like, no, Mom, that's not. Can't you hear that it's not me? She's like, no. I've had that happen with more than one person who's come to it too. And they're like, but that's your voice. Right. People who know me yeah. know it's not. And I can't hear that your mom sounds like and I sound alike. I can't hear that. I don't know that we do. Well, but I don't, I don't people hear it either. But at the same time, it's such a total embodiment. And that kind of tricks the brain a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So I, I kind of you get it at the think, same yeah. time. Um, and and I also think, even though you don't sound alike, you have a couple of um, cadences that resemble each other and a couple of verbal tics that sort of rhythms, verbal rhythms that, right. that resemble each other. Right. Um, I can't remember what it was, but there's something even that you said when you sat down at this table right at the beginning. That you were just like that. That was, that was, that was something <laughs> that was sort of similar. Um, That's funny. But, uh, uh, yeah, oh, I guess the, I, 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 I'm detecting myself kind of telling all of this, Russ telling this story in a way that sort of jumps around a bit, and I'm now trying to think of what, what I have to steer back around and, and right, catch. Right, so we went off on, we went off to to uh how we then we had we had this meeting and where, where um i brought up that three seconds of three minutes of ron vader you knew what i meant yeah and that was very and i kind of decided to dive in without having the experience of having lip sync because i kind of was so intrigued and i also i'm so in i'm so I, so, I guess I like using myself as a sort of science project of uh, how can I've always been interested in how can a person possibly be on stage and and get so um, undone and concentrated on a task that you become absolutely unselfconscious. I've always been curious, like how confused do you have to be for that click to happen? Pretty damn confused. I mean, it's very rare in my life that that actually happens, that I feel like right now um, I, I actually have so many. But I've seen other people do it, and, and I think it's one of the things that we both like about watching Liz Lecomte's work. Or there's people who are really interested in how do you, how do you create a circumstance in performance where the, the, um, the very task that the people are doing makes them guileless and present in a certain kind of way that's really really hard to catch and really hard to feel and so I was all right well maybe maybe this will have some of that search that I that I always have I think I feel like a lot of times acting is just a desire to actually feel unselfconscious I'll often write monologues that are so rhythmically tricky that you have to kind of <laughs> constantly dance around them or yes. else you'll f and then I'll say also you have to go really fast yes and you can't take a breath and I'm actually going to do rewrites today <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but so that's half of it and then the other half of it has to do with just the nature of the story which um is a story that uh has many incredible elements to it it's yes. it there's it's it's a story that at first glance you stop and say wait what happened and it j that just keeps happening um and uh th that in combination too with the way that my mother tells it the kind of um the the the, the lack of sentimentality the uh really counterintuitive uh, it, it's just it's a very counterintuitive vocal performance so to speak right like that 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 she'll laugh at moments where 
you're you're shocked that somebody's laughing and yeah. there's a and it's funny too because like I now I now I, again I'm gonna jump around in time but it takes me back to the first time I ever saw you which was in Fornes's mud and um there there's uh there's something so simpatico I think between you and my mother and the just <laughs> sort of like total lack of sentimentality and um uh, the, the the strength of that performance. Um, so I, I think I think that was the beginning of the thought of someday you're gonna you're gonna play my mother <laughs> or a character that I based on my mother. Um, but but the choice to go with lip syncing is that because there if if we didn't lip sync it, the audience would always be in a position of saying wait, but you wrote that part or you made that part up or that's, yeah. that's, that's fiction there. And, and so, um, the, and, you know, the, 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 and, and indeed the, the, the audio text is, is strongly crafted out of the transcripts, but the, uh, you know, we have added no words. Um, and, sure and, uh, 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 and there's a you you are always aware that this is a real document that this conversation actually yes. happened and and uh, it's just a constant reminder that it's it's true and that and 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 I'm interested in the fact that in many respects the way she tells the story doesn't fit the received doesn't refit doesn't fit many received notions of what grief sounds like of what trauma sounds like and you just kind of have to reckon with yeah, yeah. Th this this is this is another way of reacting to these horrible circumstances because i at a certain point find the sort of received notions dangerous it becomes the standard by which we expect Oh, grief means this, and if you don't, you display that kind of behavior, then you're lying. Yeah, and yeah, and, and we don't have sympathy for you. And so that's the other reason why it's it's lip synced. Yeah. Um, so that that so that the document is on such a visceral level is complete is completely. Um, you you can't question that this is the document that this right. is that her telling. And that as an actor, it means that that question that you always that I always I don't know if everyone does but I always feel you know it, am I offering this material everything that it needs am I offering this material everything that that um, I possibly can and um, yeah am I getting all of the the gold and all of the juice out of this mountain of this material and I always feel um, I have always felt like I have to keep turning over those stones and making sure that that's the case. And I think that what happens is that uh, acting starts to become, have a certain kind of, um, it's, you know, it's interpretation. But, but with this piece, my, there, there is no question that I am not interpreting this material. If, I, if you had given it to me as a monologue, I would have been it would. I don't know if we ever could have gotten to the 
quality that you're talking about, I could, I would have understood it and I would have wanted to do it, but there's this other impulse, which is to offer the audience access to yourself. And that impulse, uh, we're, and we're so used to seeing actors doing that, and we're so used to doing it as actors, um, that we that there's a there's just an exchange that that we're we're very used to the way that feels the way it sounds in a room the way that the way people apply there it's almost like opera singing sounds a certain way it doesn't sound like reality but it sounds mm -hmm. a certain way and we expect it to move us in a certain way and give us a certain amount of access to a kind of passion and theater acting no matter how realistic there there are these things where they're like oh here comes the moment when the you know, a person will express their grief, or that, the, and we, and we, we, uh, we search for that catharsis, and we want it. And as an actor, you feel like that's part of your gig is to offer it, and it often means that plays feel like each other, and performances feel like each other. To to me, my, I know I have certain certain grooves that I get into, or certain things that I always feel insecure about that I over lean into, or whatever that might be. But with this, that integrity is also being asked of me as an actor that you're asking of yourself as a writer that you're not going to be able to add any stuff to this that it will make it clearer or more accessible or give people more sympathy for the character or any of those things and as an actor that was those would all be my temptation too and um this this because it just the integrity of the of her voice, of, her, of the way that she moves through these, this story, about the way she's relating to the act of telling the story, about the things that, the ways in which she protects herself, the ways in which she doesn't feel the need to protect herself at all. There's just so many things that I wouldn't have been able to come up with, just me up against the material, maybe eventually, but, but he, I, I, it would have, it would have, yeah. That I don't know if I have more to say about it, but it, it's the same. It's the same thing in sort of another. I mean, it's funny because it, it, thinking about this word interpretation, because I would, I would. I mean, maybe it gets into the definition of the word interpretation, but I I think there's a lot of choices you make yes. in your performance that. There are there. There's a spectrum of choices that could be made. Some of which would be very bad. <laughs> but but you're gonna have to like, slap me back. No, but, yeah. but I, I think I think you you were you are doing a kind of interpretation in there. Um, and but it's it's I I, I don't know it, it. I bet it doesn't feel like it at all. I know it's that it channeling. feels different. I know that it feels different every day. Doesn't feel exactly the same, and I know that there are, uh, yeah, there are a lot of. Th I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, and and I and I do feel myself like wanting to lean one way or the other in the in the moving boat. So a, a lot of things do happen, and I guess that's interpretation. Yeah, but it feels like it. It's inside such a such a narrow context, so that I feel like I'm 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 not going to be able to tip this boat over. You know, it, it, it has its own momentum. And, and so it feels like, inside of that, it feels very like, um, unlike anything else in that there's a moment when, in the runs of it, where I started to feel like, instead of, I, I feel like, <laughs> like acting is kind of this trick where you, 
you load yourself up and you um, get ready to ride something. And then you pretend that it is riding you. And if you can make that illusion work, that's great. And so once in a while you have the sensation that it's actually riding you, but you're, you pretty much, you know, are riding it and trying to flip the, trying to flip it a little bit in your, I don't know, in your spirit. With this, because the task is so hard and because the story is so, you know, grueling in a great way, um, I have actually felt like it, it has it has taken me on nightly on nightly trips that I did not know were going to happen. I've thought of things that I hadn't thought of for years in the middle of the piece, and it mm-hmm. wasn't like I was doing my homework and came up with them, which is more <laughs> what I'm used to. Stuff just comes out of left field and slaps me when I'm doing this one, and it's partly because the task is so uh, 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 rigorous that I that that um, some part of my my spirit has to has to relax to do it and i'm not like searching like a like a a a phone searching for a signal for the emotional juice i'm not doing that thing that you usually do as an actor to make sure that you know it it's it's kind of like everything gets very very soft and then stuff just starts coming at me and i'm like wait a minute it's kind of crazy I mean, it's really been interesting because it was because it was not it is not claustrophobic and horrible to do, which was my fear. It actually is this other kind of ride that that does have to do with. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment um, trying to learn it that I did feel like a neurological shift. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Pollan, you can come write a book about it where. I could not learn it. It was just like the learning it off the page, which I would do, and then memorizing the the her her voice and you know gestures, which I would do, and then I would be like, okay, so I spent you know six hours on that and seven hours on that, and now we're going to put them together, and they would just erase each other. It would like turn into wet toilet paper in my brain, time and time again. It was so awful. <laughs> I would like cry and I never called you but I called other people and said I can't do this how far into the rehearsal process was that no you it wasn't in rehearsal it was before it was when I was learning it why don't we talk about the kind of lead up to rehearsal because that sort of folds into the story Steve Schiffo as well yes because I, I I don't know how much we've really even talked about that period leading up to it I would say last year at this time I was like upstate in a room trying to figure out how I was going to learn this and it because I knew that uh I didn't know how to do it and then I found out that I really didn't know how to do it like the brain would just keep shattering shattering whatever whatever material I sort of had under my belt and gradually 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 the space between the because I'm used to being able to I'm just one of those visual learners who learns things like I know where they are on the page and uh, when you start giving me rights and changing the pagination, I go crazy. It's like, that's got to be at the top of the page. So I'm one of those. So this was the opposite of that, it, where it had, it, it had both things going on. But I had to understand where things, I can still see the things on the page. I know sort of just like, but I never, I never think about that anymore when we're performing it. By the time we were rehearsing it, I 
didn't, I, I knew it. Right, yeah. right. By the time we started rehearsal, I knew it. And I knew that I would have to know it. Then we did a lot of tweaking and rewriting, but I knew that I would have to know basically what I was doing when we started. So I started pretty early, and I ended up meeting that whole time. And Steve was fantastic. Steve Schiffel is probably one of the only people walking around who's done this a lot. So he, he knew what I was talking about when I would say, my brain has turned into wet toilet paper. He understood <laughs> what I meant. He had certain... Uh, things that had helped him learn just you know uh, he I mean he described having a having a that t he does Lenny Bruce he did he um, lip syncs Lenny Bruce yeah so I should say who Steve yeah, is yeah. he's he's uh, I met Steve uh, we were at NYU as undergrads at the same time wow, what but a I don't know that, that we must have been. I don't know that we met while we were there mm -hmm. he was he was in an acting studio and I was in dramatic writing and uh, but we met very soon after we graduated and he I he came to my attention because he was a magician yeah. and I'm a big magic nerd and um, and uh, and then I found out oh he's also in Worcester group shows that's so cool a magician who's in yeah. North Atlantic and and brace up and and uh, and then on top of that he's also this fascinating performance artist he does uh, uh, recreations of Lenny Bruce albums right down to like the smallest iota of minutia and then uh, it, 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 and then. Um, uh, I I had prior to Dana H I had written one play that was entirely written to be performed in lip sync, and I got in touch with Steve because I knew that he had just toured with John Epperson, aka Lip Synca. Yes. Um, and so I brought and him. And he's in to like Lip Synca's lip sync uh, coach, so yeah. we're like we can't be more of the lip sync coach to the stars. <laughs> so so I. It, I knew that I wanted Steve involved with the show, and I also had Steve simultaneously involved in The Thin Place, which is a show that has some illusions in it. Um, sure does. So I thought, let's have a whole season of working with Steve. And and so I, 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 I we let you know that, well, Steve is going to work with you. And so what was the what was the so process? So then I started to email Steve and say, so I hear you're going to work. Can I talk to you on the phone a little bit? Uh, because I was, I was uh, not in the city and I don't even know if he was in. so we, he would say we had very very comforting phone calls he's a very comforting guy he like says you will be able to do this I know it seems like you can't do it and then but the but the uh, strategies that he had were just as insane as the things I ended up having to do he was like well you could put it on tape and listen to it all night while you're asleep <laughs> I mean there was like I was like so there's no magic trick to this he said nope there's no magic <laughs> trick to it you just work all the time until the rehearsal starts because it's really really hard to 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 get it and uh, but he had yeah strategies like that but he would also talk about writing things out which I did um, making sure that I had everything every, every little note that was helpful to me and in fact I've been going back and doing that even today uh, just where the the breath is and where there might be like a time when she went sh and then changed her mind about what she was gonna say so I had the sh right in there so that I I know I know I had the it's like a piece of music that's been written written out a piece of atonal new music that's been written out and well, so and he did have these very helpful strategies, but a lot of what he did was 
come over to my apartment. I had made this little crazy setup where I could actually perform the piece with my little speakers. And um, he would just sit and across from me in my living room and I would do it for him. And I would do it for him maybe twice. And um, having him just sit and I would talk right to him too. And those, you know, before we even really knew how the performance was going to work, but I would talk right to him. And then, and he would be um, really, really supportive and really excited and he would laugh a lot and have his breath taken away a lot and then we would go over like just little helpful, t but you know, little technical things of like how to do P's and S's and then we would go back and I would do it again and it just got more and more soft and comfortable for me partly because he was so uh, gentle and kind and also I think didn't at a certain at a certain point there was there was nothing to really say about um, there is a trick to this or there's a technique to this it, it just is this the, the you know sort of put your head down and keep working thing that it seems like it is but it also um, he was able to talk about the crazy things like the fact that it would never feel the same and how strange that is because it seems like it has to be exactly the same you know it's exactly the same and he said every time he does Lenny Bruce it feels very different like the spirit of the person feels very different the things that are funny feel very different They're, you know funny inside but not necessarily funny to the audience but the things that just the the way that it the thoughts work completely different each time and I was like that surely that won't be true and he nailed it and there were things like that that were just really um only a person with lip syncs will be able to talk about and so he's one of the few people on earth that I can like just talk about nerdy lip syncing like hey did you ever notice this about how your brain does that when you're doing it or or how you tend to you know want to put something in the back of your mouth when it would really be in the they're just tiny little completely um, uh, uh, particular rabbit holes that we go down that I was so glad to have somebody to talk to about it. Well, and the thing that I was going to quickly interject earlier, just for additional context, is one of the funny little details of the recordings is that my mother was wearing some especially jangly bracelets during, during the interviews. And so... You know, we're like, okay, so you're also going to need to do every to do the handshake bracelets. on every... On but remember, we first thought, oh, the cool thing will be that I won't be wearing any. I'll just move my arms like it. Yeah. And then one day, when we were in previews in L.A., the word of girl came up to me and said, um, okay, and these are your bracelets. And I said, no, 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 we're not supposed to have bracelets. No, they decided you're going to have bracelets. And I was oh, like, they I, did? Yeah. And so... Put the bracelets on, and then there were bracelets. <laughs> well, I had this. I, I remember having And it was this, better to have bracelets, but I, I, I was so surprised. We'd rehearsed the whole thing like, yeah. it's going to be bracelet-free. I feel like it was even well, while we were in rehearsal, I had had the thought, oh, it's not quite right without the bracelets. Yeah. And and then I, I, said, I, I said to Les, hey, can we do like gold cloth bracelets? Because basically if you did... If you did real, if you if you if you did they, actual jewelry, they would have actually made noise. Yeah, and so that was the reason why we weren't going to do bracelets. Yeah. Was we, we didn't want the competing jangles. We found we found some that don't that don't make noise. 
that don't make too much noise. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, are, did, did they end up sticking with the cloth or? No, is it, they're uh, not really cloth. Oh, okay. They're, but there's some beads and stuff, but they're, but they're not noisy. They're not as noisy right. as, as, the, as hers are in real life. And then, you know, another question I feel like people probably have is, is whether you met my mother in advance or while preparing and, and, <laughs> and no, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I had all kinds of plans. I remember I was like, I'm going to, I'll go to Florida. And then she was moving. And then there was a point when she was going to come up here. And so I was right. going to meet her then. And then she couldn't come. So there were all kinds of plans afoot. And then at a certain point, I just went, I guess I'm not supposed to, because every time we made a sort of put a plan in place, then the schedule didn't work out. And so I let go of the idea of meeting her. And in a way, it, I, I think it was good. I mean, I feel like I've, I'm, I meet her in this other way. And then when I finally did meet her in person, it was so. I think it allows perhaps for better access to that thing that we're not calling interpretation, but is something else. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would have felt like, oh, I have an idea that's going to be like her. But I did love, when I met her, we both, we both spent a lot of time just staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there were just little things about how she moved her mouth or, you know, that I had, that I had intuited or just heard because I'm so intimate with the sound of her voice. And then I'd be like, yeah, her, her mouth does move like that. Or just, we just spent a lot, of, I mean, yeah. we were in that yeah, hallway no, just staring at each other. Like we really didn't know what to say. We just wanted to take each other in kind of. Like, oh, there you are. And she didn't meet you prior to seeing the performance no. either, which I think no. was kind of important as well. I it think. was a very, very scary thing to do with, that she was going to see that performance with other people the first time because I wasn't sure how it would feel to her. And I couldn't imagine not becoming utterly concerned with that. And I, uh, I remember the night before she was going to watch it, all of a sudden, I just had a little meltdown the night after the show that night. Went to Les and said, "We can't do this. Are we crazy? Like we, we're asking her to go through something and me to do something, and all that. Maybe we should get together in the afternoon, and I should just do it for her, so that she at least has some idea what she's up against here." And and we were like, "Well, we're in previews. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I think I was sick. <laughs> we're like, no, we're not going to have yeah. an extra show, and it." turned out to be a great thing to do but it was I was really scared in a way I'd never been because I didn't know what we were taking on um it wasn't just like doing a play about somebody and then having them come see I didn't yeah I, I didn't know what the volatility of the event of watching somebody take this on and you know I was I was also uh, what gives me the right to decide I'm going to take, you know, be her interpreter? <laughs> I guess that's one of the things about the piece is that I'm I'm always having to earn the right to be her interpreter because she's real and she's your mom and she's decided to put this into the world. She she's made a very courageous decision to be like, all right, we're just going to tell everybody what happened and I'm not going to be hidden. And I feel responsible to not be vain about it or, n or not be as 
courageous as she is or not and not be as um, clear. She's very clear. You know, your mother, like you say, she's not sentimental. She's, mm -hmm. a, she's got a very clear mind. So I didn't want to be like actressy. <laughs> you know, not to, you know what I mean. <laughs> that would be my fear that she would be like, she's so actressy. <laughs> Which I can imagine her saying. Um, no, no one about, would ever say that about but her. Then, but I can imagine her, say, her saying that sentence about something. <laughs> the other really remarkable meeting, so she came out and saw the opening in L.A., you know, and of course, prior to this, I had been showing her all, like, frequently sending her drafts of the play, just saying, okay, I want you to read and say, let me know if there's anything you take issue with. Yeah, and, and, yep. um, uh But the really other remarkable meeting was when she met our sound designer, Misha, yeah. who has such an intimate relationship to this play and her voice because it is so meticulously pieced together and edited from raw material. And the person who actually has to sit there and very slowly and meticulously sort out every breath, literally, yep. <laughs> you know, um, because that's scored into the text is, you know, uh, where the breaths happen. And, yep. and, uh, 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 the, the the it was it was crazy to just watch his face when he met her and she said something it just kind of blew his mind because you know he's been sitting for uh, you know a month plus all of the workshop all of yep. the pre-workshop yep. time with, with headphones her. on and yep. and her being piped into his head and 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 uh uh you know it it, it was it, yeah it was he was very uh, I think moved and touched to meet her. I mean, yeah. it was, it was yeah. kind of, it is a strange thing to sort of be so intimate with somebody and then the actual person not in the room when we're making it. Yes. And um, uh, the, the, so the, we, you did all of this work in preparation yes yes i did this grueling grueling work in preparation <laughs> and then we get in, we get into the rehearsal room yeah which is I, I i was saying to you earlier if somebody had stopped by and looked at our rehearsal room they would have been very confused by what we were doing because by and i don't know that i entirely expected this but when we rehearsed it in advance of the 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 production at the kirk douglas i i did some pretty significant rewrites and restructuring of the play i think i remember uh we yeah, we did the we first did. you know do you call it a read through we did the first yep. talk through of it and uh i s turned to les and i said i don't understand it at all <laughs> like this, this doesn't news. make any sense oh. and and uh so yeah so we did we started in a very it was a very like grueling the the all all of us sitting around the table misha with the headphones on in the Tanya corner Palmer, our Tanya, and just yeah. it, like with Talmudic is that the we talked word? out uh, every sentence every and, single and beat and you were word. so sensitive about now I don't understand where we are. So 
we have to go back and make sure that it's clear that you're at the swimming pool, you know, and we'd be like, I always can tell I'm at the swimming pool. And you'd be <laughs> like, no, you can't tell you're at the swimming pool. It, you, you have this uncanny sense of what it's, and, I, and I'm, I think I'm a theater watcher, like you're a theater watcher. I, I lose track of all of the exposition that I'm supposed to yep. be understanding immediately. Like I'm almost allergic to exposition, so I'm just like, duh, I don't know when this, what year this is supposed to be, even though they've said the year a million times so that I would understand. I don't understand how much time is supposed to have passed. I don't know where they are. I'm, I, I'll be the dumbest, but also most like viscerally excitable audience member. But really, like my brain just kind of goes goes to sleep. Yeah, I'm the same. And way. you were I'm a terrible writing toward that person. That is me being like I I've lost track of where they are. Yeah. I don't know that they're in Florida. And you'll be like, we're gonna put Florida in again, <laughs> or we're gonna have it not be important that it's in Florida or whatever, but, you, but you'll be like, I don't want you to be going, wait, am I supposed to know they're in Florida when the character needs to say this thing that's gonna turn the story around? And you'll, you just would sort of understand that like that's just the moment when they're gonna start to be like, wait a second, am I supposed to, they'll be distracted by that thought, that tiny thought, and I want to, so you, you, you write toward that kind of like, sleepy brain that I yeah. that I always get when I'm sitting in the theater. Yeah, no, and that, that's I was like, that's, that's why too. I always understand your play so well. <laughs> <laughs> because you're writing to like... I get bored so quickly and I don't understand what's going on. And I and, always know exactly what's and, uh, going on in your play. Because you've been like... Yeah, it's, it's like a, a part of my brain just goes like to sleep. Literally, and I and, and as an actor, I'm just like, no, they can keep up. Come on, and you're like, no, they can't. Yeah. And well, and 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 uh, it, it it it's a funny thing because normally when you do rewrites, you just sort of, you know, you 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 print the new page, which we did, but also it meant that you had to rebuild a section of the audio track, which in some cases would take. 30 minutes at a time Absolutely. and so For a tiny thing and we just had to we would just kind of sit and gossip or worry or eat or probably usually we would worry about the next problem that was coming up we did a lot yeah of worrying. there was a lot of sort of looking ahead to what, <laughs> yeah, what, like, no, what the next solution is yeah and because we were solving like a millions of problems it just and they were it was very slow it's like a sound edit yeah yeah, I mean, it's, I think sound edits feel like that. They're mm. just grueling. That it's way. like making it. It's like editing a documentary. I mean, it literally is. It is a documentary that we're making, and it's um, uh, the 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 nice thing is if you mo- need to move words around, you don't have to worry about the image. Um, yes, true. true. <laughs> I would do. I would be still just sitting there looking the same <laughs> with my yeah, bracelets Didi on. Yeah, gives us continuity, um, and in a lot of cases, that ends up being the, the fix. Is sometimes, you know, uh, we'll say, ask you to grab something out of the purse to sort of yeah, 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 to make, make it a like oh, okay, so yeah, I'll be like reading that or looking looking it up. Yeah, sometimes we would find cool stuff about. Because there weren't that many events to take place. I think at one point I have a stiff foot. Yeah. <laughs> at one point I look at the transcript. I mean, these are like the very exciting events, but they are very like placed there to sort of flip us off of the normal emotional movement of the thing, which is very much how she was behaving. 
and you know where Les is such a I mean Les, Les is similar to us is he's also one of those people who sort of like I'm confused I don't get it and, yeah and so that was another uh, voice of, of, of challenge in the room because that's what I was seeking I like I want to check every moment like this but Les also has this sense for where it's okay for something to be confusing yeah and he, and, he has a much higher tolerance for that and, than you do which uh, is good I really value that you know and, and also just theatrically he, the, his sensibilities are so minimalist so um, we get along really well because of that. And, and like me, he's always looking for how much we can strip away. What's yeah. the most elegant solution? Yeah. Which is why he's a perfect collaborator for this project. And, and, um, uh, and I'm trying to think how much have we, how much have we really talked about? Like, so what was it like to do it the first time in front of an audience? Or did it, was it not oh, that different <laughs> than doing it in our rehearsal room or I guess it's I guess it's I'm trying to remember the first time in front of an audience in a funny way the more um, the, the most involved with someone else's feelings was when I would do it for Steve in my living room because then I would just be looking right at him and then when we started to do it in the rehearsal room, um, there was sort of a, a pretend interviewer. And I, I wouldn't, like, look at you and do it. So I, I knew you guys mm -hmm. were all there, but I wasn't, that, I wasn't doing it to you as if you were the interviewer. I was doing it to him as if, it, as if he was. So I was very involved with his reactions to things. As, as, you know, there was, a, there was a give and take. And as, as it became more about imagining the interviewer, I was more having this event between me and the and the uh, Steve that's not really there, and um, so by the, so when we would move to the theater and I and I wouldn't be seeing you guys anymore, it actually got a little easier because it was very hard for me not to be aware of you getting restless yeah. and unhappy. <laughs> And trying not to take it personally, knowing that it was because he can't figure out whether we were at the swimming pool in Florida anymore or whatever it would be. But I would naturally be like, he's freaking out because of what I'm doing. So, so I, I was very, I was very aware of you guys, but I had to block it out to keep going. And then once we were in the theater, it actually got like the, the work, the isolated yeah. nature of the work got easier to do. But when the audience arrived. There's just the natural tension of um, the, the the sort of uh, you know being being put in a room full of people, and I was just thinking I wasn't re I don't remember exactly what it felt like the first time, but I do remember as we got more and more close to having an audience and have a black have a have a dark theater that I was looking at, it it felt more like oh, okay, so this is really this really is like being an astronaut. <laughs> traveling to the moon I am really by myself in this funny way but in relation to this imaginary person this imaginary interviewer and, and um and it got easier to be in the dark the dark theater it's easier to be in the dark theater and do this than it is to be shutting you yeah. guys that doing all your notes and sense. talking to each other yeah. and <laughs> leaning over and whispering to each other but the 
the the wild ride of having a lot of people in the room when you're doing it it's it's pretty it's a pretty strong wild horse that you're on um and and you're and you're and you're trying to hold control of it in a funny way and i think that's just the chemistry of getting up in front of people but so it 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 made it even more concentrated i think i was surprised at how uh i was surprised at how um the piece had its own really strong callus so that i was less um I'm more, I was more indifferent to how they took it than I usually am, which was a great thing. I felt more like this is what this is, and I felt very, um, it, it's, not, it's not confident. It's, it's, uh, it, there's really nothing I, I, to be done except yeah. do it. Well, like, I'm yeah. not going to try to get laughs from you. I'm not, all those, all the, their onus is off of that relationship that I'm used to constantly in, you know, uh, taking the, their temperature. Now, that's being said, I, I do take their temperature, but it's, but it's not in the same way that I'm used to. It's not like trying to charm them or whatever the hell. It's something else. And I'm very aware of if they're not like concentrated as a room, it's, it's a different experience. And it, it's, uh, it was a pretty concentrated room when we started. And I was surprised at how concentrated it was. I was expecting to be having to tolerate a certain amount of, you know, moving around and uh, people just not being along for this particular ride because it, it, it yeah, is it a makes no concessions. Right. It's like it's so it was it, from the from the minute we started it. It was surprising to me how concentrated the room was. That everybody was like, oh. So then I felt like it had this quality of like nobody moves, <laughs> nobody gets hurt. Like that's how it feels. Yeah. Like it's like nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Well, and it, you know, it just it's kind of I feel in feel us wrapping up a little bit. Yeah. But, but you know, the, what you're saying sort of echoes another thing that I always say about the play is it's a black box recording. Yeah. You know, it 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 there. Uh, you know, I've made a point of I. I'm very reluctant to even describe what happens in it because it's my mother's words, and I don't want to. I don't want to characterize any of it differently from what she would say. Her her voice should be the loudest, and and it's why I won't provide any additional information about what happened. Um, I won't say more than what's in the play about my whereabouts. It various moments in the right. story and it's I just I think that becomes the thing that's aside from the point of what the play is about you kind of have to just deal with the information it gives you and make sense of, of it and and it, it's tough material but uh, I always feel like the kind of anecdotal side personal story of it becomes um, a release valve to the the more difficult things the play is trying to think about, uh -huh. and yeah, it's 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 you know it's why I I um, yeah it, it's why that just sort of always feels very important to kind of keep up this sort of protective layer around it, and um, yeah, it speaks for itself, and she's speaking for herself. Yeah, and there's a 
took a long time to m- make this particular part of the story. And it's why I won't you know talk about her reaction to it because that's different from the thing that she's saying. And and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know it's it, it what what I what I will say about her is sort of like her main interest these days is working with trauma survivors you know like that's that's the sort of thing it's not about her you know it's about the thing that she's talking about yes and so that's sort of why I'm always reluctant and it's a funny thing you write a play that's uh total fiction well everybody knows that so they can't ask you more questions about what actually happened because we all know it's made up but here you know the, the option of asking more questions is tempting, and I, I'm pretty, pretty firm about I'm not saying more. Yeah, yeah. That's it for this episode of Theater Uncorked. Thanks to Lucas Nath and Deirdre O'Connell for joining us on the podcast. Theater Uncorked is produced and edited by me, Kevin Weinbold, with help from the Vineyard's marketing team, Melissa Pelkey and Kayla Stokes. Thanks to the Vineyard Theater's artistic directors, Douglas Abel and Sarah Stern, and managing director, Suzanne Appel, along with the entire Vineyard staff. Thanks to Peter Lerman for creating the theme music to our podcast. And last but not least, a special thanks to you for listening to Theater Uncorked at the Vineyard. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.